Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back in our little series on the Lutheran faith. Uh, We are digging into uh, the premise of the Augsburg Confession and trying to understand uh, the big differences and the big similarities between the Reformed camps, which include the Calvinists, the Presbyterians, the Baptists, uh, and the Methodists even, and what do Lutherans believe? There's a lot of overlap, and there's a lot of things that uh, we kind of not necessarily disagree on. We just have different views. And again, it comes back to uh, what our hermeneutics are when we uh, take on whatever passage it is we're reading. And funny enough, as we're getting ready to do this show, there's this nifty little debate going on in our patron group on Instagram, and they're talking about baptism. And so we're going to do an exclusive episode on baptism, and then we will release that later in this particular series. But the patrons will get it much ahead of time. It'll be something I'm probably going to work on in the next couple of weeks for them, but I don't think we'll get to it uh, quick. We are going to look at the the articles on baptism today on this show, but we're not going to dig into all of that just yet. So we've got a lot to go through. We have uh, worked ourselves into uh, the up to the fifth article of the Uxbert Confession last week. And so this week we will pick back up with the sixth article, the new obedience, and we will work on our way through. Uh, if you are new to this show, by all means, go back and pre and please listen to the previous shows, so that way you are not uh, just kind of wondering how and where we came to uh, this point. Um, go back and listen to them. And uh, if you have been listening and you follow me on Instagram, make sure you go and enter into the giveaway for the Logos software. It's what I'm using right now on my screen as I am working ourselves through the Book of Concord. I've got uh, this wonderful library where I've got all my study Bibles and commentaries and, of course, the Book of Concord, which we are going through. And Logos has partnered with us here at Undying Light to give away one copy of Logos Bronze to one lucky winner. So very excited to give that away. So please go and enter on the on my Quorum Deo Life 
uh, Instagram page. If you do not have Instagram, you can do so via Facebook as well. So you'll just find me on there and uh, enter in the same format. Just share that post, tag me, and we'll uh, count it as an entry. Patrons get an extra entry into the giveaway. So a little bit of a perk for that. If you want to join us on Patreon, you are uh, more than welcome to for as little as a dollar a month. You can come and uh, get the ads uh, ad free shows ahead of time and uh, you can listen to them at your convenience or you can just tune into uh, the shows as they drop on whatever platform you listen to, whether it's Spotify, iTunes or, you know, we're on Amazon uh, music. We're on audible books for everywhere you want to be. So a lot of interesting and cool things coming down the chute for uh, Undying Light and a lot of hot and uh, uh, controversial topics that we're going to get into in the coming weeks, uh, mostly because people get offended when you start to uh, talk about something that they may not have grown up believing. Uh, and that's what we're going to get into when we hit the sacraments. Um, we're going to work ourselves through uh, what the Lutherans believe and uh, whether they align with the reformed faith or not. So that's another, that's a nice little uh, topic that we will get into at that point. But uh, to keep the show moving, let's get into the Augsburg Confession. We seem to not have uh, as many house cleaning items because these bonus episodes are more to get through uh, a great plethora of content than they are to just kind of chat. So Friday shows are really more, <laughs> they give you that longer introductory, if you would. But anyways, I digress. Article number six, the new obedience it is often it is also taught among us that such faith should produce good works and good fruits and that we must do all such good works as God has commanded but we should do them for God's sake and not place our trust in them as if thereby to merit favor before God for we receive forgiveness of sin and righteousness through faith in Christ as Christ himself says you so you so you also, when you have done all that I have, that is commanded you say, we are unworthy servants. Luke 17 verse 10. The fathers also teach us thus for Ambrose says it is ordained of God that whoever believes in Christ shall be saved and he shall have forgiveness of sins, not through works, but through faith alone without merit. So the new obedience is uh, is starting to break down what it means for Christians to live and act as Christians in this world. And how do we handle good fruits and good works? Do we use that as a merit to measure our faith or our assurance? Do we try to earn, I've heard people even use this analogy, uh, extra crowns for when they get to heaven that they can just then cast down at the feet of Jesus. I think, think that's kind of a little bit too far out there, but there's people that believe that and that's totally fine. But when it comes to these works, uh, this, this article is pretty blunt in making the statement that they have no merit before God. And, uh, Luther's a big proponent on this. God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor does. And so as a Lutheran, we hold to this premise that we 
do good works. We do, we do produce fruit and we do so to serve our neighbor. And that comes in many capacities. It can simply just be, if you have a, you know, a job, you go to that job and you work diligently there and you continue to be, you know, on time, you complete your tasks on the, uh, on the appropriate time frame. you move on to the next job. You don't, you know, whine or argue or complain about what you've been given. You know, you fulfill the the requirements of your job. That is, you know, one small little piece of this good work that we can do. And then that sprouts out to many other things. You help a coworker, you help a neighbor, you help your spouse, your kids, your, you know, all sorts of different odds and ends here of ways we can uh, attribute good works. God does not need those. Our neighbors do. Our neighbors is everybody outside of our body, our spouse, our kids, our neighbors, literally physically who live next door to us or down the street from us, our coworkers, our congregations, uh, the, the people in those congregations and all the people in the community. They are our neighbors. Therefore, it is our duty to show them our good works. Uh, it's to demonstrate to them the love that Christ has demonstrated to us. And so uh, we go out and we love on our neighbor and we help them in whatever circumstance may come. Again, we'll get into the apology of this a little bit later on. Uh, I'm going to go through all of these articles first uh, before we hit the apology. And then we'll talk about uh, these articles in much more depth. Uh, Article seven here, the church. It is also taught among us that one holy Christian church will be and remain forever. This is the assembly of all believers among whom the gospel is preached in its purity and the holy sacraments are administered according to the gospel. For it is sufficient for the true unity of the Christian church that the gospel be preached in conformity with a pure understanding of it and that the sacraments be administered in accordance with the divine word. It is not necessary for the true unity of the Christian church that ceremonies instituted by men should be observed uniformly in all places. It is, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Funny enough, that's one of the verses that seem to kind of... uh, fall away as we will get into believers baptism and infant baptism and uh, should we rebaptize ourselves if we feel we were uh you know mistaken in our earlier life oh you know i walked away from the faith and you know uh i i i i did not believe that that was a real baptism when i was an infant or when i was 20 or whatever it is so we're going to get into all that i'm really like i said i'm really excited for this baptismal uh baptism conversation um you know and, and more so i want to demonstrate the lutheran thought because there's a lot of misconceptions around how lutherans approach these topics uh especially the sacraments Uh, We truly believe that God is present when his word is being preached. And so if his word is being preached into uh, an element such as the water or the bread and wine, then Christ is truly present in those moments. Faith is being administered because wherever God's word is, faith is, and wherever faith is, salvation is. And so that is really uh, the beginning pieces of our understanding to the sacraments. 
We will dig into all of that. Uh, as I mentioned, we will have an exclusive episode on baptism. Uh, it'll probably air for a number of weeks with just the patrons, and then uh, I'll run it on the show down the road here as we move through this series. What the church is, uh, this is Article 8. Again, although the Christian church, properly speaking, is nothing else than the assembly of all believers and saints. Yet, because in this life, many false Christians, hypocrites, and even open sinners remain among the godly. The sacraments are efficacious, even if the priests who administer them are wicked men. For as Christ himself indicated, the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, Matthew 23, 2. According to the Dantalists and all who hold contrary, their views are condemned. All right, so this is an interesting little um, piece. And again, uh, we're going to go into what Melanchthon and others say in the uh, apology as we dig into these deeper. But this is kind of my commentary as we walk through these articles. We, we know that there are people in the church that are not saved. We know that there are open sinners who walk in the doors of the church and sit there Sunday after Sunday and have no faith affirmation whatsoever. They do not affirm to be Christians. They could care less for the faith of, of Christ uh, or the, the, the blessings and the works that Christ has bestowed. They just come for the entertainment factor in many in many cases. Uh, they come for the community. They come for the coffee. I don't know. Maybe even donuts if you have donuts at your church. But we know as Christians, there are many false Christians. There are many hypocrites. There are many open sinners. And guess what? This includes those who are baptized, whether you're baptized as an infant or later in life. That is, again, another topic we're going to dig into a little bit deeper, but we have to understand that the sacraments, especially like the Lord's Supper or even baptism, if they are administered by a priest who is a wicked man, the sacrament, if performed properly with God's word being administered into the element, then the sacrament is efficacious and it actually is doing what God has designed it to do. God does not have to deal with the priest or go through the priest or accept it only if a sound biblical teacher is performing this. Luther goes on to criticize the Pope and, and the Catholic priests. He's saying, you know, in, in some of his other writings that you guys, even though you have corrupted your views and understandings and teachings, when the sacrament is administered, God exceeds you in the doing of the sacrament. And that is one thing we're going to get into uh, deeper again, conversation on the sacraments, baptism specifically is, is God the one who performs these actions or is it man? Is it the priest doing it? Is it, or is it God? Again, it comes to what is being said in that moment. It is being, what is being taught, whether it's the Lord's supper in the administration, the institution of the Lord's supper, or is it baptism when we walk through our liturgy on baptism? All right. Article number nine uh, is baptism. So let's look at this very briefly as we will not get into um, the, the depths of this just yet because I want to kind of keep that suspense rolling for you. 
Here's what Melanchthon says. He says, it is taught among us that baptism is necessary and that grace is offered through it. Children too should be baptized for in baptism, they are committed to God and become acceptable to him. On this account, the Anabaptists who teach that infant baptism is not right are rejected. Again, I will dig into the conversation on the Lutheran view of baptism a little bit deeper as we go along. Article number 10, the Holy Supper of our Lord. Again, we're just going to highlight this and then we'll get into it deeper on that particular episode. It is taught among us that the true body and blood of Christ are really present in the supper of our Lord under the form of bread and wine and are there distributed and received. The contrary doctrine is therefore rejected. And this is what Luther really drives forward in his debates with Zwingli. Uh, and we'll, again, we'll talk about this a little bit further on, but Luther it was very adamant that the text says that this is my body. This is my blood. You can't say is changes definitions and you cannot say that is, is actually supposed to say represents the text tells us this is his body and his blood. Uh, and therefore, we can look and see at the you know the words of institution when we break bread and wine, and we say that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, and gave it to all to eat, saying, "This is my body, take and eat for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me." And likewise, with the cup after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to all to drink, saying, "This is the uh, blood." That has been shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me and for the uh, forgiveness of sins. So when we put those words of institution into effect over the bread and wine, uh, they become something truly supernatural. Uh, they do not transform. They do not uh, change upon consumption. They it, it is the mystery that Luther would profess that Christ is bodily present and how he does that is a mystery. How he does this is not our problem. We see what the text says, and that is what we preach. And how Jesus does some of this stuff, it is left to the imagination of man and is simply left to, uh, to not have to be something we have to deal with. It's not what we have to worry about. We have bigger things to fry in the world uh, than this particular fish. All right. Moving on here, Article 11, Confession. It is taught among us that private absolution should be retained and not allowed it to fall into disuse. However, in confession, it is not necessary to emulate all trespasses and sins, for it is impossible. Psalm 19.12, who can discern his errors? And this was kind of something that Luther really struggled with early on in his walk as a, as a Catholic monk. He would spend countless hours in uh, the confession booth uh, confessing all sorts of things that he would think were trespasses or sins to the priest. Uh, and it and became so bad that the priest just was like, look, you know, you, you can't keep coming back here. You know, you're, you're and, and talking about these sins that are just way out there. But again, Psalm 1912 states that who can discern his heirs? When we perform a liturgical service in the Lutheran church, we usually open with a brief order of confession, which is simply the, the announcement that we are sinners. And then it's the, the absolution that those sins have been forgiven. 
We don't have to sit in a confessional box and, and, and tell the priest all of our sins and all of the things that worry us. We get to be simply told the gospel message that our sins are forgiven. All right, Article 12, repentance. It is taught among us that those who sin after baptism receive forgiveness of sin whenever they come to repentance. And absolution should not be denied, uh, should not be denied them by the church. Properly speaking, true repentance is nothing else than to have contrition and sorrow or terror on account of sin, and yet at the same time to believe the gospel and absolution, namely that sin has been forgiven and grace has been obtained through Christ. And this faith will comfort the heart and again set it at rest. Amendment of life and for the forsaking of sin would then follow. For these must be the fruits of repentance, as John says, bear fruit that repent that benefits that befits repentance, Matthew 3, 8. This is John the Baptist speaking there. Rejected here are those who teach that a person who have once become godly uh, cannot fall again. Condemned, on the other hand, are the uh, novelations who denied absolution to, su- to such and have sinned after and as had sinned after baptism. Rejected are those who teach that forgiveness of sins is not obtained through faith, but through the sanctifications made by man. So you actually get into some interesting uh, theology here, but we're going to pause just a moment for our little commercial. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, so going back to this conversation on repentance, there's this notion that in some circles... Uh, people would be prevented from baptism and they would actually prevent themselves from being baptized until they were essentially on their deathbed because they didn't want to sin 
after baptism. But we are taught that we will continue to sin. Whether you baptized as an infant or as an adult, you will continue to sin. However, that sin, all of it, has been nailed to the cross and has died that death when Jesus died. All right, Article 13, the use of the sacraments. It is taught among us that the sacraments were instituted not only to be signs by which people might be identified outwardly as Christians, but that they are signs and testimonies of God's will toward us for the purpose of awakening and strengthening our faith. For this reason, they acquire faith and they are rightly used when they are received in faith for the purpose of strengthening faith. Article 14, order of the church. It is taught among us that nobody should publicly preach or teach or administer the sacraments in the church without a regular call. Well, what is a regular call? Well, essentially, a regular call is one that is external. It is not one that comes from inside us. It is one that comes from outside. It is somebody around us telling us, hey, you know, you would make a good preacher. Uh, I experienced this and I would venture to say that in my right mind, I would have never gone into the, the pastoral ship, but I had enough influence outside of me that encouraged me to take that leap. And so that regular call came from outside. It came from those around me who knew my faith, who uh, had long conversations with me, who understood what my belief systems were. And they decided through the grace of God that I should become a pastor. And uh, so this regular call is one that is, should be rightly elevated in the church that the church is the one who then will call a particular person to be a pastor. So there's kind of, there's steps. If you would, the first step is uh, to hear an external call. So if I'm going to, let's say we'll use myself as an example. I was working in corporate America. I'm going along with my life. Uh, I was reading theology. I was attending church. I was doing all these things in various ministries and I was helping do all sorts of stuff. I had no desire to be a pastor, none. And then uh, I had various meetings with some, uh, my pastor at the time and a couple other family members and that, and they kept kind of just slightly telling me, you know, you'd make a good pastor. Oh, you know, you, because you have, you know, you enjoy this kind of stuff. You would really uh, do well as a pastor. And so the call became external, as I had mentioned a few minutes ago. And, and then it was, uh, the next level is essentially is the call of the church. And so because I went into seminary and I've gone through the ringer, I was able to help churches and transition from permanent pastors. And, uh, I was able to, uh, assert that they, you know, that they had sound biblical teaching and I was able to preach the gospel of Christ to them in a time when they didn't have a called pastor. Now, as we kind of move forward, if we are going to hold to the order of the church, that one should not publicly teach or preach or administer the sacraments in the church. That's inside the church. It doesn't matter if you're outside, like you can be at the water cooler at work and you can uh, preach the gospel by all means, go for it. But the administration of the sacraments and the preaching of God's word inside of the church should not be done without a person that that church has called. And again, 
requirements aside, it does not necessarily matter whether I've completed seminary because I haven't, and I'm already a pastor, but it doesn't, and it doesn't matter in that framework. Like there's not, God does not provide us some sort of restriction in place in this element. It is simply that the church, especially the church that I'm working at, unanimously decided they wanted me as their pastor, and they have come alongside me in my school and time in ministry, and I, it has been a true blessing over uh, the course of this last year and a few months now. All right, so that is Article 14. Let's go to Article 15, Church Uses, Usages. Uh, with regard to church usages that have been established by man, it is taught among us that those usages are to be observed, which may be observed without sin and without contrite or contribute to peace or good order in the church among them being certain holy days, festivals, and the like. Yet we accompany these observations, these observations within the instructions so that the conscience may be, may not be burdened by the notion that such things are necessary for salvation. Moreover, it is taught that all ordinances and traditions instituted by man for the purpose of appropriating God and earning grace are contrary to the gospel and the teachings about faith in Christ. Accordingly, monastic vows and other traditions concerning distinction of food, days, etc., etc., by which it is intended to earn grace and make satisfaction for sins, are useless and contrary to the gospel. All right. So uh, summarizing that in, in a quick framework, it doesn't matter if you observe holy days or festivals, you do not have to do them or you can. It's up to you and your church's discretion. You don't have to do these things, but you can. It's not going to earn you any sort of merit and you can't get anything out of it. It's just simply doing so. Like for instance, for the Lutherans, we observe Ash Wednesday. We don't have to, we don't have to earn, you know, look at Ash Wednesday. We'll, we'll again, get into that a little bit deeper as we move out of the book of Concord and we'll get into kind of some of the liturgical means of the, uh, of the church, but Ash Wednesday is uh, the beginning of Lent and it's the walking, uh, through to the end of the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection. Lutherans, uh, acknowledge Monday, Thursday, good Friday or black Friday, uh, and then Easter Sunday. Uh, we also look at, uh, his birth. Uh, so we have a season of Advent, um, and we have all of these little things that we could look to in scripture and say, Hey, this is an important Sunday, Reformation Sunday being one of them, Transfiguration Sunday being another. We can look at the calendar and say, these Sundays are significant. However, they don't do anything. So we, we could honor, we could honor them. We could observe them, but we don't have to. That's the freedom as Christians. We don't have to uh, do any, as long as the gospel is being preached, we don't have to observe any specific holy days or festivals or the like. We can do so if we desire. Uh, we can hold to certain traditions, but they don't earn us anything. They don't give us any sort of extra grace or any merit with God. They are simply just there for our enjoyment. And I'll tell you what, I love food. So I love when we have like potlucks and things like that on these significant days. Uh, but we're not called as Christians to hold to these days in order to earn our salvation. 
All right, uh, we're gonna finish up here. Uh, we're gonna do one more uh, article and then we will pause for the day. So we're gonna go ahead and close out here with our final article, article 16 on civil government. It is taught among us that all government in the world and all established rule and laws were instituted and ordained by God for the sake of good order. In that Christians may without sin occupy civil offices or serve as princes and judges, render decisions and pass sentence according to the imperial and other existing laws, punish evildoers with the sword, engage in just wars, serve as soldiers, buy and sell, take required oaths, possess property, be married, etc., etc. Condemned here are the Anabaptists who teach that none of these things indicated above is Christian. Also condemned are those who teach that the Christian perfection requires the forsaking of house and home, wife and child, and the renunciation of such activities as mentioned above. Actually, true perfection consists alone of proper fear of God and real faith in God. For the gospel does not teach an outward or temporal, but an inward and internal mode of existence and righteousness of the heart. The gospel does not overthrow civil authority, the state, and marriage, but requires that all of these be kept as true orders of God, and that everyone according to his own calling manifest Christian love and genuine good works in his station of life. Accordingly, Christians are obligated to be subject to civil authority and to obey its commands and laws in all that can be done without sin. But when the commands of the civil authority cannot be obeyed without sin, we must obey God rather than man. Acts 5.29. So we'll get into that again a little bit deeper uh, as we move through uh, the confession. Next week, we're going to wrap up the uh, articles. We're just going to move through them. Um, and so we'll take three essentially three Tuesdays on the articles, and then we'll look at uh, the apology. Uh, we'll spend more time probably walking through the apology as we uh, need to touch base on some of these elements. And uh, that should take us out for the next handful of weeks. Again, go on my Instagram page, quorum.dale.life, enter in the giveaway for Logos, get, your, get yourself a chance to win a copy of Logos Bronze. Again, I cannot say how much I absolutely love my logos. It is a lifesaver. It is a huge benefit to my ministry. It is a huge benefit to my church because I can have all of these tools in my on my phone, on my tablet, on my computer, and at my disposal at any time. I can look up resources. I can look up information. I can uh, answer questions that people have. It is phenomenal. And it's not just for pastors. This is not just something that you, know, you need only if you're in the ministry. You need this at all levels of life, from the most newest of faith to the most seasoned of faith. This is a tool that is uh, wonderful. So that's going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, Again, next week, we're going to pick back up and uh, we're going to work through the return of Christ, the freedom of the will, the cause of sin, faith in good works, and the cult of saints. That will conclude the bulk of the articles, but then we get into articles and dispute in which an account is given of the abuses which have been corrected. That is the remaining article. So that is coming next week. Again, check out our episodes Fridays. We work through the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, This week, we will be digging into Ecclesiastes 8 and maybe 9. I haven't recorded it yet. So uh, as I record this particular episode, I'm a week ahead on this one. But last Friday, 
uh, we did article or we did chapters uh, six and seven. So go and check those out. Um, again, you can go back even and listen to all the episodes we've done on eschatology or the attributes of God or other, uh, shows on the least of these series, which includes Esther and the song of Solomon. We've got a whole long list of shows that you can, uh, pick up and listen to and enjoy over the time until we meet again. God bless and have a great week. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.